the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Is the media the enemy of the people? Colorado Baker case. Allegations against the Catholic Church. The economic argument for abortion. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. We have a jam packed show for you today. I want to get to a lot, a lot of issues. And I want to start today's show. By addressing something that someone said to me privately, if you're a long-term listener, you know I used to do a segment for this show called Life in Utopia, where, you know, y'all had asked me questions about socialism and what socialism is really like, because I live it and I experience it, and then I would take a segment each week and answer your questions. Well, as you know, I love engaging with you. Many of you have engaged with me privately, and I had a conversation this week, which I'm addressing this because if someone has this question towards me, I'm guessing this is a question you all might have had as well over the years. And this the conversation was very civil. It was, hey, I, I listen to your show. I don't always agree with you, John, but I, I love the way you, you break down the principles. But I'm very concerned that some things are missing from your show. And I went, okay, what do you think is missing? You never really pound the media or call out the media for their hypocrisy. And then the question behind that also was, do I agree with the assessment that the mainstream media today is the enemy of the American people? So in case some of you are wondering, or have the same question you never just asked me, let me address this for you straight off the bat. Let's stay with the first issue. Why do I not call out the media? There's two reasons for it. One... There seems to be in some circles, and I don't know whether this is because you're just more politically active now than you have been in the past, or just because you're so upset with the treatment of Donald Trump, or you just don't know history. What the media do today, honestly, is entirely consistent. Has it got more stupid? Yes. Like, there was a segment this week on, I'm going to say MSNBC. I I can't watch these because I don't have these stations over here. So I'm always relying on YouTube videos or reading reports. But I think it was MSNBC. Apologies if I'm wrong. It could have been CNN. It could have been ABC. It could have been any stupid media. Um, Where there was an actual uh, honest debate about whether, on why Donald Trump hates dogs. Has the media got more asinine and and stupid with Donald Trump? Sure. But how it acts is entirely consistent. How it acts and how it performs is entirely consistent of what I've experienced over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Even going back through history. 
You know, to those who are upset with the media today, are angry at the treatment of Donald Trump, I would ask you to go back and read history, and I would actually love to know your answers. When did the media act any other way? When has the media... What media would you go back to? What timeline would you go back to? Because if you read enough history, you understand, especially American media. American media has always sucked. It's always been horrific. There were people like the New York Times, let's call them out for who they are, in World War II who were, you know, covering up stories of Nazi Germany. You know, there was times back after World War II, a person who we always call out on the show, Walter Cronkite, single-handedly grabbed defeat from the jaws of victory in Vietnam because of his reporting on the nightly news. Let's just take those two stories. The New York Times during World War II and Walter Cronkite during the Vietnam War. Is the media any worse? Is the media worse today than than those two periods of time? Those two examples? Now, what you do have today is you have a lot more media. So instead of, you know, Walter Cronkite being the guy that everyone watched, whether you liked him or not, you had to watch him. If you wanted the nightly news back in the Vietnam era, you had to watch Walter Cronkite. Now you have all these different websites, you have the Daily Kos, you have Vox, you have all these other sites, both left and right. You're flooded with media, you have social media, Facebook. I can't go through my timeline without seeing some article from either some right-wing site or from left-wing site. I go onto Twitter, it's the exact same thing. People send me videos and send me stuff. Hey, what do you think of this? I'm unindated with news. Because everyone needs the clicks. We're inundated with news that, quite honestly, means absolutely nothing. Like the news this week, the outrages of the day this week were, Oh my God, Amorosa! Amorosa got fired! Oh my God, let's get all angry about it. Let's get our knickers in a twist about it. I could care less. I'm got, Let me say this. I'm glad she got fired. You know, it seems the only person in the Donald Trump administration who thought hiring Amoroso was a good deal seemed to be Donald Trump. I'm glad he got rid of her. I'm glad he came to his senses and went, go. Because no good can come from hiring her. But everyone's talking about this, going, you know, defending her or attacking her or having some other opinion on her. Who cares? It's Amorosa. Let's get to a point where we have some meaningful conversations. The second reason I get very uncomfortable when people, as a general rule, when people say, you know, you should be doing something. You should be. This is what the media should be doing. This is what the media should be focused on. As a general principle, when people say, this is what you should be doing, I get very uncomfortable. I'm sorry. I know this annoys a lot of you. But as a general rule, as someone who has experienced that all my life, I don't like it. I don't like it when people tell me, you know, John, you need to be focusing in on on this issue. You know, you you need to stop saying bad things about Ireland. This comes from family and friends. You need to be so, so, so harsh against socialism. It's, it's, It's not as bad as you think it is. You know, John, you need to be focused in on Ireland, not America. You know, you need to be focused in on, 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 on Catholicism. You're, you're living a Catholic country. So anytime anyone says to me, you should be, 
is the time and it could be anything hey you should be eating your greens you should be doing this you should be eating less i always if it starts with you should be i always get very uncomfortable unless it's my boss in work saying hey john you need to you should be doing this okay you're my boss <laughs> if my boss goes you should be doing something i'm doing it because i i don't want i want to keep my job but as a general rule in society if the media the media should be talking about this I'm very uncomfortable with it for that reason, but also a second reason. Because I'm consistent. So let me give you some inside baseball. This show is three years old. And when I went through the process and I, you know, how I got this show, I was very blessed. A lot of things came together for me to have this platform and to speak with you on a weekly basis. But for those that you are new to, relatively new to the show or relatively new to me because we're growing each one every week, how I got this show was I rang Glenn Beck and I begged him. I said, listen, I love you. I think you're great. I've met you before because um, we gave a speech at the same um, uh, abolished the IRS speech in D.C. We met briefly there. He didn't remember me because he met lots of people at that speech. But I said, listen. Can you do me a favor? Can you stop using the word middle class? It's not consistent with your timeline. It didn't work because he still uses that word, but I made the case for him to stop using that word. And he was impressed and his producers got my details and thought, you know, here's an Irish guy who seems to know a bit of stuff. Let's check him out and let's see, can we give him a platform? So I go through the, the hiring process of how you, you know, get a show on the blaze. I only had one criteria I had one question when they said, look, we'd love you to come on board. We want to do an, an hour show every Saturday, 12 noon Eastern. You can talk about what you want. I had one question. That one question was, who has full control over what I say? Who has full control over what I will decide to talk about? And the answer was, I will. Then I said, we're, we're good. When do we start? I've been around other organizations who tell you what to say. They might not give you the exact words, but they'll go, hey, you need to talk about, you know, Amorosa this week. You need to talk or write about this issue. You need to do, you need to focus in on this. Whether you care about it or not, whether you're an expert on that, whether you have anything to add, doesn't matter. You have to talk about it. So why would I turn around and say the media needs to talk about this story when I know if, if Glenn Beck came to me tomorrow and said, John, look, even if it was the most rational story, the attack on the Constitution... John, you need to talk about this story. On principle, I'd be like, no, I don't. I probably would anyway, go through the process, because, you know, if you're a long-term listener, you know I talk about the Constitution an awful lot and about freedom. But if he came to me, there'd be no reason he would. But if he did, I'd be like, no. I signed up. I have full discretion over my show. No one puts words in my mouth. The day anyone, Glenn Beck or anyone in the blaze, comes to me and says, John, you need to talk about this, and you need to say this, is the day I leave the blaze. Even if it's even if it's consistent with what I believe, I will never say anything that is not mine. I definitely will never be told, and I would rather never perform again or never talk to anyone again than be be a puppet, to be a pawn. Which leads me to the second question: Do I think the media is the enemy of the American people? I'm going to answer this in a very political way, and I, I'm not meaning to. That all depends on your definition of enemy. In a traditional sense of the word enemy, no, I don't. There are many things that worry me about the media. The media right now, again, last week, let me give you a story of, I get annoyed about the media as well. The reason I don't focus in on it 
It's because I have nothing to add. Oh, I can point out their stupidity. What good does that do you? And what good does that do me? What agenda, quote unquote, does that serve? Does that pursue? There was a story this week where they are actually defending Antifa. They are actually defending what they were saying and and all the anti-media stuff they were saying. They were just rabble-rousers. They were just counter-protesters. Yet when Jim Acosta is at a Trump rally where it is fully secure or should be fully secure, where everyone in that building has been gone through some type of vetting to get, because you're not getting in those buildings without passing through security. As someone who has been through that process before, it is quite onerous. I, I can I can remember I was covering CPAC at 2016 and Donald Trump came and spoke at CPAC and Vice potential Vice President Mike Pence spoke at it. We were all kicked out. We were all put back into the lobby. Some people were in the middle of a live national broadcast. Don't care. Get out. And we let you back in when we sweep the place. They went all right. They had Secret Service. They had police. They had dogs. They went through all the process, and then you went through a metal detector, and if you, you know, then you made it got pat down, and you went through stuff. It's quite onerous to get into that building. Jim Acosta, who was in that building, was saying, oh, like, I feared for my life, because people were shouting, CNN sucks. Yet when it comes to Antifa, they're like, eh, they're just rabble-rousers. Look, the media always stink. Are they the enemy of the American people? No, I don't think, in a traditional sense, I think the enemies of the American people are a lot. The enemies of the American people are Vladimir Putin and Russia. The enemies of the American people is the Ayatollah in Iran. An enemy of the American people is King Jong-un, Kim Jong-un in North Korea. enemy of the American people is ISIS, is the Taliban, is Al-Qaeda. The enemy of the American people is tyranny. An enemy of the American people is people disrespecting the Constitution. The enemy of the American people is terrorist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, Al-Shabaab, Boko Haram. They're enemies of the American people. The media? No. And I say they're not the enemy of the American people, and I know people are not going to like this, but I honestly believe if people on the right didn't spend so much time being outraged at the media, media would have less and less impact. You look at what the ratings that the CNN pull in, you're a land of 330 million. There are shows on CNN that don't pull in 100,000 people. Why would you be outraged by what they say? There are shows on CNN on prime time that struggle to get 2 million people. Clearly not many people are watching. You're spending way too much time focusing on, on them. Their impact is rather minimal. By the way, I'd say the same for media on the right. Fox News, and I'm not a ratings guy, I don't care, but you know, a lot of people are annoyed with what's going on right now. A lot of people are upset. But here's what my biggest frustration with a lot of American people and the world in general is we're getting caught up in the outrages of the day. We're spending so much time. I go onto social media and I see all these stories about Amorosa this week. 
I see so many stories about John frickin' Brennan. Oh my god, he got he got his security clearance taken away. Oh, boo-hoo. By the way, I'm trying to find out one question. If you're a listener and you know this, what is the argument for when an official who served in a past administration who is no longer in the government has security clearance? To me, that's a massive security risk. I was surprised when this story, when these stories started breaking that they still had them. I, I think it's stupid. I'd love to understand the argument of why they're allowed to keep it. You're no longer serving, sir. You have no access to intel. You're not serving. You don't need it. That'd be like me going to my old job going, hey, I know I, I don't work there anymore, but you know, let me see what you all are doing and let me have access to your details. Except it's a hell of a lot worse because it's CIA or FBI and intel. But these are the stories of the day. Everyone loves to share them. Everyone loves sharing, see how CNN is quote-unquote fake news. We have real stories to address. We have real issues in our time. Honestly, the person who can galvanize and get the emotion on real issues and take it away from the bullcrap we spend our time talking about will be either really successful for either really good causes or really bad causes. Because there's a story I want to talk to you about when we come back from this break that is critical, that should be shared everywhere and should be broken down absolutely everywhere. But won't garner, it won't garner ratings, so we won't talk about it. Or if we do, we'll try and do it with an agenda. We'll try and, you know, give our talking points. But it won't be much. We'd much rather focus in on Amarosa or, or well, does Donald Trump hate dogs? The media have always sucked in my eyes. I'm just thankful now that in 2018, mainstream media, quote-unquote, your CNNs, your ABCs, your MSNBCs, reach less and less people than ever and ever before. That's a positive thing. That's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. It's something I celebrate. I hope one day they come back to their senses and that they actually have meaningful conversations. I don't have any hope for us. Again, this is the media and the collaborative media that the you know hid World War II details and helped make America lose the Vietnam War when it was clearly winning it. I don't have all that much hope. I would love to see it happen, but I don't hold out much hope. But I also know that the world is changing. And that by 2025, maybe 2030, it might even be as soon as 2020. The media as we know it is dead. Unless it changes, it's not going to have any impact on our lives. And that can be either a really good thing, or it can be a really dangerous thing. Because where do you get news? Who is quote-unquote trusted? But when I come back, I want to talk to you about a big issue. And a big danger that I see in both American society and society around the world. And it affects people on all sides of the aisle. And a lot of people, 99% of people, are guilty of it. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. News flash to the media. If you want to make things worse, just keep doing what you are doing. Ignoring half of the country and belittling them. 
continue not to listen to the worries and the fears because that's what you did in the last eight years. You mocked and ridiculed and never had an honest conversation with anyone on the right. The Glenn Beck Program. Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm active on social media, Twitter at Freedom Disciple, Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 Drop me a message, drop me a friend request, engage with me. I love when you engage with me privately because it's actually, a, I've had a lot of great conversations over the last two, three weeks with y'all because when you have a private conversation, you know, you can ask a question or, you know, tell me why you disagree with me and I can respond and it's not a free for all. Whereas when you do that publicly, it's kind of like you ask me a question and I might respond for like six hours because I don't see it and a lot of other people get involved and it just becomes messy and I just love it when we engage, and I've had so many great conversations recently, so if you if you have something you like about the show, or you have something you dislike about the show, or you think I'm wrong on something, by all means, let me know. I know a lot of people, last week's show, did not like my opinion on the whole Alex Jones thing. That's great, we had some great conversations. And the idea of this show is not to give you my thoughts and, and get you to think the way I do, I want you to question yourself, to look at yourself, and to challenge you. To find out where you stand. And if you stand all the time and 100% disagree with me, I'm okay with that. Once you find out where you stand and why you and why you think that way. So what do I think is one of the biggest issues we face today? And it's a worldwide problem. In a simple term, it's generalization. We love to make generalizations about sections of people. And we dehumanize the individual so easily today it is frightening and both sides do this both sides in america in the political debate it happens in ireland it happens in england it happens in europe it happens everywhere and it happens in politics it happens in religion it happens in every aspect of our life we think that if you do a certain thing Let's just let's make this about politics for a second. If you vote a certain way, you're obviously all in lockstep and think a certain way. The amount of times the media, let me start here because the media haven't really got this and are very guilty of this over the last two years. If you vote for Donald Trump, you're a racist. You're a homophobe. You're practically, you know, the grand wizard of the KKK. Um, you hate women. You're backwards. You know, you think of all the things the media said about you. And they never, I don't think they ever want to understand you, but they just always, you know, they, they act like, I just don't understand why anyone would vote for him. Now, without going through the 2016 election, because I don't want to go through all the hassle that I had, didn't support anyone. Not my job. But a lot of people I know voted for Donald Trump. And they voted for him for different reasons. A range of different reasons. I had people say to me, I vote for Donald Trump, he's the the Republican nominee, and that's it. Okay. I had other people tell me I voted for Donald Trump because, John, it's Hillary Clinton. Okay, gotcha. I had people say to me, I voted for Donald Trump for one reason only. Because he must be the person, or we must not allow Hillary Clinton to pick the next nominee for the Supreme Court. Gotcha. 
I had other people telling me I voted for Donald Trump because of the, the my Christian people or people Christian leaders are around them and and you know I believe what my Christian leaders say. Okay, cool. I had other people say to me I voted for him because I supported him from day one. Gotcha. That's in my little circle of friends, and there were many other reasons, by the way. I had, I had people come out with this argument, well, John, he's a businessman, you know, the American economy is key, he, he can manage the economy. Okay. Not saying I agree with any of these, by the way, I'm just saying, gotcha. I, I, I understand your logic and your reasoning. Donald Trump supporters are very diverse, very different. They all have different reasons. The same way people who voted for Hillary Clinton were had pretty much the same reason. A lot of what I just said, you can probably replace... Donald Trump with Hillary Clinton. I voted for her because she's the Democratic nominee. I voted for her because just could not have Donald Trump in the White House. I voted for her because I could not let Donald Trump pick the next, you know, Supreme Court nominee. We have these generalizations that we do. We generalize it and it dehumanizes the individual. As someone who understands and res- why I respect the individual so much and why I call generalization out today and, and in general is because I'm the exact proof that generalizations are a lie, are a myth, are not true. You know, if you wanted to be generalized about Ireland, Ireland's a socialist utopia. Everyone there believes in socialism and big government. They haven't got a clue about America and they all probably hate America. They love the American people and they love the American dollar when it comes over for tourism, but they don't like America and what it represents. Well, if you think that about Ireland, which in general sense, in a generalization, would be true, you'd be discounting me. Because I'm the exact opposite. I love America. I love the idea of America. I defend it. Even to personal, take personal consequences for defending it, because what I say is not popular in Ireland. When you have generalizations, you're dehumanizing the individual. What you're saying is, you're not unique. You are not special. You are not different. You do something, you vote a certain way, or, or you belong to a political party, or you see the world a certain way. You see this with the, the black community, our black brothers and sisters. One of the most disturbing things I always see, because I have some friends who have gone through this, If you dare say anything that's considered Republican, quote-unquote, oh, you're an Uncle Tom. We have this generalization that if you're black, you must think a certain way. If you're Asian, you have to act a certain way. If you're Irish, another generalization that I'm the exact opposite to. Oh, well, all Irish people love to get drunk and, and drink a lot of alcohol, and you just, you know, you're all happy drunks. I can't drink. I don't drink. I probably, on average, drink maybe two pints a year. Maybe three. And even saying I drink three pints is very limited because I actually can't. I have a bowel and stomach disease where I can't do like wheat and oats and barley and and different products like that. When I drink beer, I have to mix it with like with 7-Up, with Sprite. I have to water it down. We have to have a shandy because if I drink it pure after about a pint, maybe two, I'm bent over in pain because of my stomach disease. So I very rarely drink pure beer. But I don't get drunk. I never have. I've been drunk, I think, three times in my life, and they were all funerals. 
There's another generalization that I am the exact opposite to. Generalizations don't work. They dehumanize the individual. They make you different. They make you go, you're not different. You're just, you have a certain characteristics. Of course you're this way. Of course there's no difference. Even conservatives. You look at conservatives. You have conservatives from moderate conservatives to, you know, ultra conservatives to in the middle. We all disagree on different things. Look at the debates we've had over the last 10 years. You know, amongst conservatives and libertarians. We used to have debates over the flat tax and the fair tax. There were major differences there. Even though any of them, either of those two proposals, will be totally better and 100%, 200% better than anything you have right now. But even then there was a disagreement. But it's so easy to say, well, if you believe in generalizations, obviously conservatives, you got to be for, you know, the flat tax. And if you're a libertarian, you're for the fair tax. No. We see things different. The great thing about of America, and one phrase in your Declaration of Independence sums this up. You have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Your founders understood that the individual is different. That you have a right to pursue what makes you happy. You're not a, we're not a production line. Each human is not part of the Henry Ford production line where you have a certain characteristic and you see things this way. Automatically, you're going to come out at the end and it's the exact same as everyone else. You know, the whole Henry Ford old line. You can have a car, a Ford, any color as you want, as long as it's black. That was the old joke about that. That was the old thing. You, we're not a production line. We're different. We might be different right and we might be different wrong, but we are different. We have a right to pursue our happiness. And we have a right to be understood and respected as an individual. One of the greatest lines I heard read this week was an interview with Pendulette. He's like, I'm very uncomfortable being called, you know, libertarian. And I'm very uncomfortable even being called a man. I'm just me. I'm Pen. Just talk to me as me. How many people actually do that today? Hi, I'm Jonathan. Nice to meet you. Here are my beliefs. Not attack me because, well, oh, John, you're a never-Trumper. Or you're a conservative, or or you 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 don't like immigrants because you, you know you want immigration, or you you don't even want immigration reform, or you you know you're for the rich because you want low taxes. No, ask me my opinion. Don't put me in some box in some category and generalize me because you to think what you think I stand for. Ask me. I'll tell you. I won't be shy in telling you, even if you disagree with me. I'll tell you everything I believe and why I believe it. Which leads me to, why am I talking about generalization so much? The great thing about the individual is even if it does not make any sense, if, if you tell me, you know, John, I have this opinion, and it's and I, you listen to me, and I go, okay, because I'll always ask you this, why do you think this way? Because I'm always curious about people. Why do you think that way? And let's say you come up with this, and even in my head, I'm like, Jeez, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I just don't understand your logic. It's not connecting with me. You still have that right to that opinion. The great thing about freedom is you don't have to justify yourself to someone else. You can have an opinion which I can think is crazy, is, is asinine, is silly. But if it's your freedom, go for it. Once you're not hurting anyone else, go for it. Why am I bringing all this up? 
Because instead of talking about crappy issues like Amorosa and John Brennan and all this stuff, does Donald Trump hate dogs? I want to talk to you about a story that actually really matters. That actually has long-term implications on your life. Do you all know who Jack Phillips is? Because if you don't, you need to. Jack Phillips, I'm sure if I uh, said Masterpiece Cake Shop, you would know who I'm talking about. So let's just take one of Jack Phillips' opinions, which I think is is funny. And if I was a comedian, I honestly I'd probably mock it. This guy won't doesn't won't bake things for Halloween. He thinks Halloween is bad, and right, you, it's easy to mock it. You could go, "Jeez, come on, man, you're a Christian. Look, it's Halloween. Kids go out trick or treating. It's harmless. You know, kids go. They do it. I don't know what y'all do over there, but over here, you know, you have a joke or you sing or you dance and you get candy and you knock on all the houses and then you go home and then you eat your candy. We all, I did it as a kid. I did it. It was also it was fun. As you know, look at me. Is there any time you could see me and kind of go, you know, people are going to give you candy for doing stuff and you're going to go home and eat your candy. You think there's any time that I'm not happy about that? I'm really happy about that. That's 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 fun to me. If I could do if I could get away with trick or treating today, I probably would. Hey, I'm going to knock on your door. Give me candy. Give me chocolate. I need chocolate. I love chocolate. I think that's as I'm not going to say stupid because I don't want to be insensitive, but it's kind of eh, out there. Right? Does he have a right to go, you know what, I'm just not doing anything for Halloween? Absolutely. It doesn't matter whether I think it's stupid or whether I think it's crazy or I think it's taking Christianity too far or he's just a quote-unquote nutjob. None of that matters. He owns a business. He has a right to run his business how he wants to. And he sh- we should be all just growing up kind of going, hey, I want to, uh, will you make me a Halloween cake? No, I don't believe in Halloween. Okay, cool. I'll go to give someone else my business. You know that the almighty dollar? I'm going to give that to someone else. And I'm because of your how you deal with me, I may, not, I may or may not come back and ask you to make me a Christmas cake, which you'd be fine with because you're a Christian. Well, the court is going after him again because he was in the Supreme Court and he because he wouldn't bake a gay wedding cake and went to, all the way to the Supreme Court and they actually sided with him in a very weak decision. Well, they're now targeting him again. Some of the things, he he refused to bake a cake because apparently um, someone went to him who was a transgendered and was celebrating, I think it was their seventh or sixth year of transition and they wanted it to be pink on the inside and blue on the outside because it was to to celebrate their transgenderism, becoming a, a girl to a boy or a boy to a girl. I'm not sure which way it worked out. And he said, sorry, I can't do that. It goes against my belief. Does he have a right? Does he have a right? Yes. You have a right to your conscience. I do not have a right to enforce my belief on you. And what's troubling about this is it's all coming from the transgendered and gay community. You know, logic, human logic never makes sense to me in some ways. You know, if you go through persecution... Let me give you a simple example. Bullies. Who are usually the biggest bullies in society? Who are usually the biggest people who are bullies? They all usually have one trait that unites them. At some point in time, they were bullied themselves. And the human 
experience and human psychology explains it where they were bullied dreadfully and they were made feel bad about themselves and now they want to make themselves feel good and powerful so they go bully someone else because by making them they feel inferior to someone else but if they can point to someone who's inferior to them it makes them feel better doesn't make any sense doesn't make any logic to me but because i was bullied and i would never bully anyone because i never want anyone to go through the pain i went through some of the stuff the way this world has treated gay people is truly horrific even to this day I have no problem with gay people. I don't think it's right. I my my Christianity says, you know what? It's a sin. But there are lots of sins, and that relationship, you know, I worry about my sins and my conversation with God when I get there to to get my test to go into heaven. I'm not going to be well. I don't care about me. What's is he getting into heaven? He's gay. You do you. I'll do me. But does someone have a right to force their beliefs on you? Some of the things we did to gay people in the past, you look at, you know, turning from World War II. He helped win World War II, yet he was prosecuted for being gay. Guy is a World War II hero in Britain. We still treated him like crap. Without him, maybe... England loses and becomes Nazi Germany, part of Nazi Germany, and then maybe America can't save it. Maybe if it wasn't for him, God knows what world we'd live in today. We might be all speaking German. Yet when it came to his sexuality, we're all, well, you can't do that, you can't be gay. We were forcing people to live in closets, saying, you know what, I yeah, you have a right to freedom, but, you know, do it privately. Just stay out at a public place and go away, and we can prosecute you if you do. They are now turning over after been treated, and after been treated so badly. And to this day, they're treated badly. You know, in America, sometimes the arguments for tyranny are so laughable when you compare them to the rest of the world you have gay people worried about oh you won't bake me a gay wedding cake oh, that's discrimination in places like saudi arabia and in the middle east you're gay you get thrown off a building which is the real discrimination which is the real thing you have people like me who are christians who supposedly hate gay people because well you're an evil christian john who would stand with anyone who said you know what We may disagree on everything. You may like Hillary Clinton. You may like Donald Trump. You even may like socialism. But on this issue, we can unite and say no to. That if you're gay or you're any sexuality, you don't deserve to be thrown off a building. That is morally wrong. But I hate gay people. People have a right not to be put in a closet for any reason. This monolithic thought of you have to think a certain way is becoming a very big form of tyranny and it is happening on all sides. We are dehumanizing the individual at an alarming race. We're going to keep you updated on what happens in this case because some of the stuff he was asked to bake, he was asked to, which I found, apologies for this, I I found this kind of funny because one of the things... I found it funny not because of the persecution he's going to get for it and because he refused, but one of the things he was asked to bake was Satan's penis. Now, I found that funny for two different reasons. One, how do you know what Satan's penis looks like? 
But secondly, I feel fairly comfortable saying there's a, at least a 50-50 chance the person who asked him to bake that doesn't believe in God isn't is an atheist of some description. I always love these people who go, you know what? God doesn't exist. You know, you're you're stupid for, for believing all of that. Oh, yeah, God. And he clicked his fingers and there was light and there was night and there was seas and there was land. And oh, you're all so stupid. But Satan, who's God's enemy? Oh, yeah, see, yeah, we're Satanists. We love him. If you understand that there's a Satan, you automatically believe there's some type of God. It may not be my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it's some other God. That's who he is. That's who Satan is. Satan needs a enemy, quote unquote. I don't know what's going to happen, but the sad thing is Colorado and the people around Colorado seem destined to put this guy out of business or maybe move him to another state. Is that right? Is that right? Is that just, is that moral? When we come back, I want to talk to you about a story that is 10 times worse than this and needs to be dealt with. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, this show is on every major platform available: SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Omni FM, and Castbox. Please consider sharing with your friends or your family. And if you happen to listen on iTunes or Stitcher, um, please leave us a review. Please give us a rating. It helps with the algorithms, and because we're growing each and every week, we're reaching more and more people. And I really, truly appreciate your support. I can't get this message out without each and every one of you sharing it. So thank you. But if you can leave a rating, please consider doing it. I want to talk to you about the biggest story of the week, and probably will be the biggest story of the month. And I can give a real personal side of this argument, because. I've been in a country that has dealt with this issue in the past. By far the biggest story that came out this week was the accusations and the testimony in Pennsylvania against 300 members of the Catholic Church. Now before we get to this story, I want to make things crystal clear. I want to make where I stand on this issue 100% clear so there can be no mistake. If you take a kid, an innocent kid, you beat him, you assault him or her, you rape them, you make them perform sexual acts of any kind on them or to you you are the scum of the earth I put you in the same category and I hold you in the same contempt that I hold ISIS 
that I hold people like Hitler, Mao, Pol Pot, and any other despot that has ever graced the face of this earth. I don't think you're better than anyone. I think you are scum. Not only do I judge you, but I will very rarely say this. I not only judge you, but I condemn you. As the most sickest, vilest piece of S shit that I can think of. And excuse my French. That is how badly I think of you. If you knew about this, or suspected it, and did nothing, and you turned a blind eye to it, not only are you as bad as them, but you are also worse because you were a coward. You are a coward for turning away from someone in need. This is an absolute truth in my mind. I have zero tolerance. I know people think, you know, with zero tolerance policies are not good lately. I have zero tolerance for sexual assault of any description, but especially on kids. This does not change regardless of your age, your race, your gender, your faith. There is nothing you can be, there is no group you can be part of that will make me go, well, no. You're scum. This is pure evil. I say this as someone who used to be a Catholic and who left the Catholic Church not once but twice. I live in a country called Ireland. And it wasn't that long ago in in the grand scheme of things, Ireland was going through the exact same issue. There is a sickness in the Catholic Church. Now, if you're a Catholic, I don't want you to switch off. I'd ask you to listen to me because I'm going to make some points that you need to hear. But that also anyone who wants to pile on to Catholics right now needs also to hear. There is clearly an illness within inside the Catholic Church. This has happened now in other countries like Ireland. There is something going on. But there is also a culture within your religion that puts priests on a pedestal. Some of the reasons, and I won't share all of them, but some of the reasons I left the Catholic Church was because I was told I questioned priests too much. That we put priests on a pedestal. Now, I'm not saying if you're a Catholic in America, I know some places don't do this, but in Ireland, we were told this, and this is what we were taught, that the priest knew everything. That the priest was appointed by God. That they were servants of God. And that they were automatically right, no matter what. There were also people who shared a a vision that supposedly happened. I think it was in Lourdes. Where Mary said, leave the priests alone, I alone will deal with them. Now I'm not going to trample on anyone's belief as a Catholic. Why I started the show the way I did today is because people will have this generalization 
well, all Catholics are bad. The problem is the Catholic Church. And we will dogpile. And we will make this about generalizations. And nothing will get done. The Catholic Church has a problem. I don't know how big of a problem it is. But it has clearly got a problem. Where you have this sexual abuse going on. In Ireland. In other places. In America. How do we stop this? Because the temptation in 2018 and in a world where we love generalizations will be just to go, you know what the problem is? It's Catholics. Catholics are just bad. I know plenty of good Catholics. I don't agree with them on everything. I, I, I don't even understand why they act the way they do. You know, there are certain things I just don't get. I don't get why Catholics pray to all these different people. They pray to Mary. They pray to, to Joseph. They pray to Padre Pio. They pray to St. Patrick in Ireland. I don't get that. Sorry, I just don't. You know, I, I, I was brought up, cut out the middleman. If you want to pray for something, pray to God. He's the one who will ultimately decide. You know, you don't, I don't pray to, to St. Joseph to go uh, pray to God. Go to the middleman. You, God is there. He'll listen to you. He might not give what you want, but he's there. There are certain things I don't understand, but if you have, if you, if it gives you comfort, and if that's your vessel to get to God, go for it. I, I will defend your right to do that. I don't understand it, but go for it. But Catholics, we need to create a culture that says we need to call this evil out. There is no justification for this. If you read some of the transcripts. Some of the transcripts are, let me be blunt with you, and this, I know, I know people say to me, oh John, you're like Glenn at times, and you want to be Gandhi, and all this stuff, and Kumbaya, and all, let me show the other side to me, the, the unchristian side of it. There are times when I read some, when I read some of the transcripts this week, that quite honestly, just give me 10 minutes alone with that priest. Give me 10 minutes alone with him. I guarantee you he will never even think about touching another kid again. Now you can put in there what you want, but it wouldn't be a conversation. I would do ungodly things to him. Because I have no tolerance for it. And after I was finished with even five minutes of beating the ever-loving crap out of him, I would castrate him. We need to send a message to society that says, if you even think about it, it is wrong. And no Ted's talks. It isn't just a sexual orientation. That is what I feel. I know it's not right, but it's in my head it's justifiable. I think you need to send a message that certain actions in society will never be tolerated. And if you do that to a kid, you really are the lowest of the low. You are scum. But here's the problem. Because we love generalizations, what I fear is everyone's just going to say, well, Catholics suck. And then Catholics are going to ultimately defend it. They'll defend their church. They'll defend their religion. And what they're actually doing is defending what they believe. But people will misconstrue it as defending bad behavior. 
We have major obstacles in this world. We face major, major issues. And they're not the hot topics of the day. They're not the things that get shared on Twitter, like Amarosa and John Brennan. They're actually serious issues, serious principles. But if we continue to act and out, be outraged and just throw everyone under the bus because they belong to a certain label and they fit in our pretty little box, what's going to happen is we're going to get nowhere. We need to create a culture where we call this evil out for what it is, but we also need to create a culture where people will speak out against their own side. I would challenge you today to think about, just take a minute out and think of any section of society who calls out their own side, whether it's in religion, whether it's in politics, whether it's in sports. How many people are actually questioning their own side? We're all great at pointing the finger at other people. Oh, well, it's them Catholics that are a problem. Oh, it's those Democrats that are a problem. It's those Muslims that are the problem. But do we actually create a culture where if you're a Catholic right now, you can come out and go, look, I'm a Catholic. I believe it. I, I love my religion. But this is wrong. Do we have that? Do we give them? Do we accept them? Do we embrace them? Because let me be very blunt with you. And I'm not, I don't force my religion. If you are a long-term listener, you know I'm a Christian. I don't hide it. If I'm out in public, I'm usually wearing a big cross. It's not hard to distinguish John's a Christian. I am loyal to my God and Jesus, and that is it. I don't have a religion. But if you're a Christian, let me talk to you directly for a minute. We have the power to change the world. We have the power to impact it. We have the power and the message of Jesus Christ that can change the world. That can truly make this world a better place. Yet, how, what impact have we had on society as a whole? Do we actually think of ourselves as Christians or do we care more about our man-made religion? Now, there are people in America who don't ever get this and never quite understand how what it feels like to live in another country. I grew up in Ireland. I grew up in, a, I grew up in Ireland where it's mostly Catholic. And up the north, it's 50-50, Catholic and Protestants. I grew up in a country where if you were a Protestant, you were automatically Satan's spawn. And Protestants said equally the same and treated Catholics the exact same way. Yet they both claim to be Christian. Either we can unite and change this world under certain principles. If you're a Christian, that you believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That you claim Jesus Christ is your Savior. And that you believe scriptures are some type of gift from God, or at least a roadmap for how to live a good life. Sure, you may worship Mary, and sure, you may think communion 
is actually the body of Christ, or you think it's a symbol of Christ, or whatever you think. We may disagree on different saints, but we need to unite on what's important. Because what's happening in this world is this world is going to go through major changes. And if there is no reason, if there is no logic, if there is no side truly for good, what happens? We are seeing a culture decline. Because we are living in, as Glenn talks about an awful lot, and I don't use this word a lot because I, I just lump it as another most popular word that we use today, postmodernism. There is no logic. How many people use logic and reason today? How many people use logic and reason? Not their side. doesn't matter what your side says. Logic and reason. How many people are brave enough, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, or Jewish or atheist or Muslim, to say, I'm going to question with boldness everything I believe. And if my answer that I come to and I stand for it happens to go against quote-unquote my side, I'm willing to do that. We need to get our act together. We really do. We are coming to a point. We are coming to a crossroads. Now, I believe that we have the tools right now that we can write our future and it will be more prosperous than ever before. I still believe that. Why do I believe that? Well, since I'm talking about Christianity, let me start there. I believe in the principles. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, I believe in the principles that he spoke about. I believe in the individual. I believe man is inherently meant to be free. I also believe we have the potential to be freer than ever before, not only because of my quote-unquote Christianity and that message, but also the message of the idea of America. That idea that man is inherently meant to be free and that you have certain rights and that truth is eternal. When you talk and when you read your founders' writings, the idea of America, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, if you truly follow them, and we actually have a dream, where, and we live in a society where America finally fulfills the check it wrote 240 years ago, where all men is free, all women are free, everyone is free to pursue their happiness, that is a, a country and a world I want to live in. But to get there, you also need to understand what the founders wrote in the Declaration of Independence and why they signed it off so critically the way they did. It's often understated. Everyone can quote it, but no one ever really pays attention to it. And it's relevant for every one of us. We pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Why did they say honor was sacred? Because you need good guys. You need good people. You need people to stand for liberty, for freedom, for the individual. But you need them to be good. You need them to be honorable. You need them to be consistent. 
It was why they wrote every word that they wrote meant something. There is no word in the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, there by mistake. There, every word was thought about, was considered, was debated. And I believe divinely inspired. They knew life was important. They said it was the first right in the Declaration of Independence, right at the top. All men are created equal, endowed with their creator, with life. We knew fortunes was important to them because, again, they weren't the poor people of the day. They were the greedy capitalists, the bourgeoisie of the day. They were the wealthy landowners. They were men of stature in society who signed that Declaration of Independence. But only one word was so critical that they said, you know what, we need to show, we know life is important, we know our fortunes are important, but there's only one word that is so key to that argument. It's honour. Who is going to be the people who act with honour? And by the way, this is not some Republican or Democrat or, or Donald Trump or, or never-Trumpers or Christians or Jews. or a, This isn't anything to do with any group. This is about individually. Will you act with honor? Will you be consistent? When it comes to politics, to your side, will you call out your side when they are wrong? If you're a Christian, will you stand with your Christian brothers and sisters? Say, we may disagree over some policies, but the principles we agree on. And it is time to unite. And that we have a responsibility. We have a duty to stand together and be a beacon of light. Because here's the thing. Our job... Actually, I can't, you know, I should say, our job, anytime I say about what our job is, I always get very uncomfortable. Because it's not my duty to tell you what your job is. You need to find that for yourself. But if you're a Christian, you need to understand one thing. Today, in Christianity, in politics, in life, Everyone wants to be the hero. Everyone wants to go, I'll fix this. I'll be the savior. I will be the one that you can point to. Whether it's your local priest, whether it's your bishop, whether it's your cardinal, whether it's your popes, whether it's your head of your churches. We have to understand our job is not to be the hero. Our job is not to be the greatness because we are not the greatness in this story. Our job is to testify to the greatness. This show is not about me. My job is not to say, hey, I'm hey, I'm this Irish guy. Come follow me. No, don't follow me. My idea is my job, my duty, my responsibility is to testify to the greatness of the idea of America. It's about ideas, not people. If you're a Christian, we need to be... Let me talk to you as a Christian for a second. If you want to be a Christian... You need to be worried less about the pharaohs and the chief priests and the the Pharisees and act more like John the Baptist. If you're a Christian, you should know that reference. And to the Catholic Church, your response this week, quite honestly, was pathetic. It was pathetic. Anyone who can look at this story from Pennsylvania an abuse over 70 years 
and the Pope takes two days to respond is disgusting. It's weak. And it's cowardly. I hope Catholics wake up and stand up to their own people and say this is wrong. Because the Catholic Church has done a lot of good. In America, if it wasn't for the Catholics, I don't know where the pro-life movement would be. But uh, we need to stand as Christians and understand our duty and our responsibility. Because as Ronald Reagan always famously said about the future of the world, if not you, who? If not now, when? We are at a point in time where evil is growing. Tyranny is growing. Who is going to be that beacon of light for the world? Who's going to testify to its existence? If Twitter bans you, if Facebook gets you off Facebook, are you still going to do it? How are you going to do it? We need to be the side of righteousness. And not judgment and not hate, but righteousness. And stand for what is morally right. And point to a future that we all can live freer. And we can all can live more prosperously prosperously and finally we can fulfill the dream your founders wrote 240 years ago don't go anywhere america we'll be right back this is freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn on the blaze radio network Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc. Help, 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 Brock, help, Brock, help. Shut up. I'm calling, shut up, Brock, help. I'm serious. I'm dying here. It's mud, mud, Brock. <laughs> if you're the firefighters, do you take the parent first? Are you concerned with I'm it? not concerned. You just no. take the man and you're yeah. like, hang on, parent, or don't. <laughs> the morning blaze, weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me, America I want to finish up today's show By just sharing two simple thoughts with you One is by sharing a story with you in a quote You know why I get emotional And why I get upset about politics and wanting to ignore us and talking about the idea of America and and fulfilling it because I see evil growing I really do and I see a lot of people in America and around the world starting to reveal their masks you know back in the day five ten years ago socialism was a dirty word to a lot of people now people are openly calling themselves socialists. Now, I, I welcome this because I actually, while I don't respect you, I actually respect the actions of, if you're honest and you're actually saying, hey, this is who I am, I will respect you a bit more than if you're just like, no, I'm hiding behind it. I truly want to meet people on the battleground of ideas, even though some of those ideas are really, really vile. 
And some of the arguments being put forward today are heartbreaking. I want to read a quote to you, and it was said this week. Quote, Whether you fundamentally care about reproductive rights and access rights, because those are not the same thing, if you care about social justice or economic justice, you must care about this. It is not a disconnected fact to address that this t-shirt of 1973, that women entering the labor force from 73 to 2009, added $3.5 trillion to our economy. The net new entrance of women, this is not a disconnected fact, that Roe became the law of the land in 1973. That is Chelsea Clinton, the daughter of former President Bill Clinton. They are now making economic arguments for abortion. They are now making economic arguments for abortion. We are dehumanizing the individual. We have dehumanized the fetus to a point where now, hey, killing your baby is an economic benefit. First of all, let me deal with the economic side of it. There is no way on God's green earth you can make that claim. There is no way you can say killing babies since 1973 has been a net benefit to society. And I want to prove it to you. Let me deal with their economic argument first. Let's just give one example. Imagine one of the babies aborted in the womb was Elon Musk. Where does your three and a half trillion dollar benefit and boom to society go then? Imagine some of those people who created all those jobs. You know, Peter Thiel, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak. Imagine one of those was one of those people that were aborted. You can't make the argument of how much it's benefited society because it's impossible to tell of the aborted babies what they would have added to society. You know, I know a lot of people don't like me talking about abortion because they're, oh, John, there you go again. But let's just talk economics for a minute. Let's not talk about the the moral, you know, hey, you're you're actually murdering a life. You know one of the saddest things about abortion, just from a pure economic lifestyle point of view, is we will never ever know how much better our life would have been would have been if that person had been born. We all have potential inside of us we all have greatness inside of us we all can achieve amazing things we have that potential you know if we were born 500 years ago probably not we did because of a christianity point of view but you didn't really see the upward mobility in society there wasn't the 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 swell for it there wasn't the the society you know um levers to let that happen you know, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, if you were born into poverty, you probably died in poverty. 
If you belong to a certain tribe or you hit a certain level, you never really got above it. You might have went down a bit, but you never really advanced. You look at America today. Look at all the people who are millionaires. And if you want to be judgmental, look at all the people who are completely dumb who are millionaires. You know, I love people who say America is this racist nation. Look at all the black people who have success. Who have become so wealthy for doing things that some of them are consequential, some of them are irrelevant to a lot of our lives. Let me give you some examples. You're a racist nation, yet you just had your first black president. You have someone like Kanye West, who I truthfully don't know what he could produce I think he does shoes and he does clothes. I've never bought a Kanye West shoe. I've never bought a Kanye West clothes. I've never bought a Kanye West song. I have given zero dollars to Kanye West. It's not because I'm racist. It's true ignorance because I actually don't even know what he sells. And I'm kind of a boring person. And I live in another country. But he's wealthy beyond his dreams. You look at LeBron James effectively he just plays basketball and he is multi 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 millionaire i look at some of the people who have changed your society you know i'm i'm going to talk sports for a second but you know how they impact on them were not white people they were black people you look at people like tiger woods every white person every colored person every person from different countries in theory, should give a royalty check to Tiger Woods each and every month. Because you can now live a really good lifestyle playing golf in, in the PGA and never win a damn thing. Because the prize money is just so good. You know, back in the day before Tiger Woods, the creme de la creme, the Greg Normans, the Jack Nicklases, those players who won the big tournaments had decent lifestyles. But if you were, like, struggling around the cut all the time and struggling for your card each and every year, you weren't making good money. Tiger Woods comes on, becomes a sensation, gets more eyes on the product than ever before. And all of a sudden, people who are struggling for their card are just average golfers who are good, but never really win anything and never really are in the top ten of anything, live a really good lifestyle. Some of them fly private jets. You look at people like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan changed basketball. Michael Jordan has retired nearly 20 years from basketball. Air Jordan still sell well. Yet America is this racist nation. You have that upward mobility. Now think of all the people who have died in the womb, who could change, have changed the world. The next great Tiger Woods, or the next great hockey player, or the next great Olympian, or let's go even more serious. Let's just, just focus on sports. Someone could have been in the womb who had the potential to cure cancer. And we'll never know. Someone could have been the next great IT giant, could have been the next great Bill Gates, the next Elon Musk, the next Steve Jobs. They'll never get that opportunity to fulfill their potential. Let's not even focus in on the, the human side or that you're killing or the murdering side of it. Let's just focus in on that side. 
Does that not make you sad? Does that not make you sad? This is the society we are living under. You're going to start seeing more and more people come out and admit they're postmodernists. That their aim is just to destroy the system they live in, and I don't care how they do it. Where there is no truth, there is no eternal principles, it's the ends justify the means. You're going to see people from all corners of the world promote the state as the moral authority in society. They're going to dehumanize you even more. If you read enough, you'll see they're doing this in China, where you'll all have a score. And based on your interactions and and what you post and how you act and what you buy, you'll get a certain score. And the, the higher the score, the more access you'll have to stuff. The less, the lower your score, the less access you'll have. This is what world we are living in. We need to start focusing on what's really important. Is politics important? Sure. I'm not saying it's not, but that's not who I am. It's not what I want to talk to you about. You can go to other people who will focus in on that all day long. But we need to stop getting caught up in the bouncing balls of the day and the distractions of Amorosa and John Brennan and all these little inconsequential stories. And why does Donald Trump hate dogs? And let's focus on real issues. And focus in on things that are truly important. And be the side of good of justice I want to finish up today by just sharing and saluting a couple of people last week there was the Unite the Right rally I want to say one thing I share your frustration with the media we spoke about that in segment one I do share your frustration. I, I'm not sitting here going, if you hate the media, I, I, I don't understand why you hate them. I get it. I totally get it. Ideally, if the media had any credibility, last week they would have reported this story of going, hey, America is not a racist nation. Why is it not a racist nation? Because 24 people turned up at Unite the Rally. We are a land of 330 million. Clearly, America and the rice, quote unquote, even though they're not rice, and the KKK is not that popular. If they had a set of balls, they would have then apologized for promoting it so much. But last week, you had Unite the Right rally. Again, they're not rice. And you had Antifa, the counter-protesters turn up. You know, people don't understand why an Irishman finishes his show the same way I do each and every week. Why I salute the real heroes in society. I do that because I want to remind you that there are heroes living among us. There are ordinary people doing extraordinary things each and every week. And while it means absolutely nothing, I as the person who owns this show want to do my part in saluting them and honoring them each and every week to remind you. Today I want to salute the police who had to work the Unite the Right rally last week. Some of the chants from Antifa last week were the, as follows. 
all cops are racist. Now, when you bear in mind, there's a good chunk of cops who are, um, how, how should we say this? Um, not white. How can a, a black cop be racist against black people? Oh, well, that's right. He's an Uncle Tom. Gotcha. So all cops are racists. Then there was the catchy one, the one that really, you know, God, you know, I wonder who, how long they sat up to think about this. It was cops and clan go hand in hand. Oh, that's catchy, isn't it? See the way that just rhymes off the tongue? Cops and clan go hand in hand. And then, of course, the one that wasn't so catchy, they couldn't find a way to rhyme this properly. Last year they came with torches. This year they came with badges. This is also a group who, in New York City and different places at different rallies, you know, um, all cops are ba- uh, fry like bacon. You know, I don't know how cops do what they do. I don't know how cops... I, you know what? The people we salute, the cops, the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, the vets... I don't know how you do your job. I really don't. I know I couldn't do it. I'm a pretty cool person, but I see these videos and I'm like... I wouldn't be able to survive in that, in that atmosphere. Imagine policing a Unite the Right rally where counter-protesters... Even though they're not counter-protesters... That's just the line, the, the word we've given them in the media today... Antifa turn up. Both sides hate you. Both sides are yelling at you, spitting at you, abusing you. And you still have to stand there and protect their right. Must be a very hard job. It must be a job that is next to impossible. And yet they do it. And they do it well. Are the police perfect? No. No organization is perfect. But they do it with so much class, with so much dignity. And they know they're going to get into a load of abuse. I don't know, maybe they'll get Valium or something. Where they're like, just, hey man, it's totally fine. You say what you want. I'm, I, I'm, I know they don't, because if they were called into action, they wouldn't be able to do it. But maybe if you gave me like 20 Valium, I'd be able to be a policeman. I'm like, yeah, all cops are racist. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, cops and clan go hand in hand. That's good. That rhymes. You're a poet and you don't know us. <laughs> if you gave me 20 Valium, maybe I would. But otherwise, I couldn't do it. You know, we live in a time where there are no heroes, where people say it will convince you. There are heroes. They live amongst us. What makes them heroes in some part is they don't get the recognition they deserve. It's that they're doing ordinary people doing extraordinary things and no one even knows us. You look at the emergency personnel, the firefighters, how they do what they do. You know, of of all the people who I respect the most, in some ways it's the firefighter. You know, like a policeman, you know, he's called to a job. Now, I'm not undermining any of them, by the way, in case you think I am. But just the the uh, the mentality of the firefighter is is just something I think is be- is unique above all those people who I salute. Because you know, a, fire, a policeman, you know, he has traffic stops. You know, he's to investigate horrific things. 
really bad heroic things emergency personnel they got to go to scenes of accidents and they got to keep cool and they got to keep people alive and get them to the doctors you know vets have to go overseas and you never know what they're going to face you know a firefighter goes to a building that's on fire and you can literally see the buildings on fire and they're like yep i'm gonna run into that I don't know about you, and I, I use this word run very lightly, but if I'm a firefighter and I see a building on fire, and they're like, you got to go in and save someone, I'm like, I'm running, but it's in the opposite direction. Um, it's They're incredible. And they don't seek fame or fortune. They're not on the news. They never really get highlighted. But they affect our daily lives each and every day, and we don't even know it. So this show always will salute heroes in society. Because today's society either says we don't have heroes or, you know, heroes are these people, you know, it's baseball season. Oh, my God, he was clutch in the, in the bottom of the ninth. He hit a walk-off home run. He was so heroic, so brave. He stared down. No, that's not bravery. It's awesome, especially when the Yankees do it. But it's not heroic. It's not brave. It's not courage. It's not anything. It's cool. It's good. You're good at your job. But you're not brave or heroic. That is for the people who serve. So great job, policemen, who served last week in the Unite the Right rally and the Antifa rallies and kept the cool, kept the calm, kept peace. You did a great job. And regardless of how popular it is or how unpopular it is, this show will always salute you and will always highlight you. And lastly, we've finished today's show the way we always do it. If you've heard nothing I've said all day or you disagreed with every one of them, just remember this. Remember this because I believe it. America is great because Americans are good. That's each and every one of you. Our future can either be incredibly bright or incredibly dark. It all depends on how you, what you do, how you do it, or if you do nothing and go, just get caught up in the outrages of the day. But I believe in you. I believe in you because of your track record. I believe in you because every generation of American has had to overcome some type of adversity. We're facing our adversity right now. Sorry, we're not. You are. I'm just helping on the sidelines. I'm a member linking arm in arm with you. You're facing it right now. I believe you will overcome it. And I believe there will be a point in time, it might be a couple of months, it might be a couple of years, it might be even a couple of decades, where we'll all sit down and laugh and wonder, remember what we were doing in 2018? Remember those times? Because I believe we will be freer than ever before. And we'll be able to look back and go, we saw this. We faced it down, that evil. And we overcame it. And we overcame it together to live in a better world. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern America, have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. 